Yes, the John Constantine and Friends podcast, where we celebrate all things John Constantine and related elements of interest. If you are new to our show, I welcome you to the House of Mystery. We cover a wide variety of Constantine content, and you can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search House of Mystery. Due to their rating and review systems, iTunes and Spotify are our preferred feeds. And we ask that you leave us a review and rate the show. It does help our show grow. It triggers algorithms that allow others to see our show. Hello, David. How are you? How's it going, everybody? Of course. I welcome the bisexual demon butler to the show as per usual. And the house is rather clean today. What do you mean by rather clean? Well, I don't know what's going on in the basement. I haven't been in the basement for about like three weeks. Really? Golly knows what's in the House of Mysteries belly at this point. Yeah. So we have been on a bit of a unplanned hiatus. Um, So I do apologize to our listeners that have been wondering where our new shows are because I was promoting uh, a variety of content that was supposed to come out almost three weeks ago. But David was sick. Yes. A demon flu. (laughs) A very Also known as... The COVID-19, and he was completely out of commission. Oh, yeah. So you were back. You're healthy. You didn't even have a voice for like a week. So even if we wanted to do a show mobily, I mean, we tried to get a mobile setup, but even beforehand that, I mean, you just had no voice. I have zero voice. And if people can hear it now, it's kind of going, it's going there, but. Kind of now? Yeah, even still now. Yeah. So it's. It's been a long trek back, and luckily, you know, I have my own little night nurse that takes care of me at night. Oh, a night nurse. That sounds intriguing, Dave. (laughs) Please elaborate. (laughs) Please elaborate. (laughs) All right, so we have a show planned that is geared around all the latest and greatest John Constantine and friends news and updates. And there isn't a whole lot of new stuff, but there are new, I would say expansions on certain things that we had known about, which we'll get into Sandman produced for Netflix has released a trailer. And we'll talk about that as well as many other things, including the, the just the fucking relentless attacks of so-called wokeism and the gender bending uh, yeah. of Joanna Constantine. I'm like, guys, read a comic book. Read a comic book. It's not even Constantine. Yeah, so we'll get into that. But I don't want to get angry right away, Dave. So. <laughs> well, remember, just to add to that, Mike. So we're going to wait. People lose their minds over the recasting of Lucifer. Yeah, I do. <laughs> David, I said I want to wait before I start getting <laughs> Let's talk about some cool things. Like, for example, McFarlane Toys, Dave, debuts a seven-inch page puncher figure with new comics, which this is something that is actually pretty cool. It's a great way to market 
comic books and get a little something extra. So McFarlane Toys is producing and creating a line of DC toys yes. that are called Hunchers Figures. Page Punchers Figures. That is a very hard thing to say for some reason. Page <laughs> Punchers Figures with new comic. So McFarlane Toys initially introduced Page Punchers as an affordable kid-focused concept, including a figure and a comic. Yes. In one package for, I believe, $9.99. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortly after, they went up for pre-order. Some adult collectors grumbled that they didn't see the appeal. <laughs> well, McFarlane has them covered, too. The Page Punchers line just announced an upsized version. And the usual McFarlane seven inch DC scale. Yes. And Dave. There's going to be a John Constantine one. (laughs) I saw that. Yes. And I'm a, anybody who's listened to our shows, Mike, everyone knows that I'm an avid toy collector. This was actually one of the lines that I was really excited about because we haven't had a John Constantine figure for a very long time. Yeah, and it's funny because we're getting a bunch all around the exact same time now. So we have the McFarlane page punchers. Then we have Mesco that's also putting out a Constantine figure. Yes. Then we have a new one from Iron Studios, a 1 to 10 art scale. Yes. From Sideshow. So right there, we have three brand new John Constantine action figures and statuettes that range in pricing. Of course, the the sideshow one is a bit more expensive. Oh, the sideshow one's going to be probably into the hundreds. One hundred and sixty dollars. But they do allow a layaway plan, which is so 1990s. (laughs) <laughs> but I can get with it. It's a layaway flex plan starting at $72 a month for just two months. That's actually not too bad. And there's a non-refundable deposit of $16 and your first payment installment doesn't even take place until December. So you could put that pre-order in now, put your $16 deposit and then December 25th and January 25th would be the subsequent days that they will take out the $72, which isn't that bad. So they do make things somewhat affordable, which is something they should do. I mean, you're dealing with comic book fans, for the most part, I mean, mm-hmm. not everyone is, not everyone has the same financial, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, Status. there you go. And also, I mean, so, some of these are going to appeal to younger kids as well who just can't afford all that. So $75, $72 a month makes it a little bit more affordable. So yeah. I will put some links out on our show page for this discussion on our website, Rayman Digital Media, and you can take a look at those different action figures. And if you do choose to purchase one, definitely purchase it through our links because it helps our show out. I'll tell you right now, out of the three that are out there that I know of, the Mm -hmm. one that I'm actually waiting for is the Mezco one. Oh, that's because Mezco Mezco is going to be coming out. It's going to be priced in between uh, the page puncher Mm -hmm. and the sideshow. It's going to be, I believe it's $90 to $100, mm-hmm. but it's going to be worth it. If you're, if you're a toy collector and you want really detailed action figures, but don't want to actually jump into like the sideshow multi-hundred right. 
figures. Mezco makes amazing figures. Yeah, and then and then imagine all these cool Constantine figures you have, and then you can like bring your Zatanna toys in, and you guys can have like you can play some sex games. You know what the scary part is? There is a Mezco Zatanna. Yeah, that's super that, detailed. That's not scary, Dave. That's and fun. I can picture myself just going. You know, the space ball. Yeah. The space Call ball me your Princess Come here, Vespa. Prince Vespa. Come here, Zatanna. I'm going to have my way with you. <laughs> we're going to have fun finally. <laughs> hey, and then we'll get a, we'll buy a Batman toy just so we can cuckold them. Just put them in a corner. <laughs> all tied up. I'm like, you watch, Bruce. <laughs> Bruce. Yeah, so look for those cool toys slash... Statues, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. yeah, you can call them. Okay, Dave. So on to other news. And this is exciting because as listeners know, something I continually complain about is the fact that, I mean, DC just does Constantine dirty. I mean, ever since 2011, 2013, when they uh, canceled the ongoing Hellblazer run, it's just been downhill for Constantine fans. It has. It, we it just, has. We, we were finally given that Cyspuria run. We were all happy about it. It was fucking excellent on almost every level. And then they cancel it after what? Was it 12 issues? <laughs> 12. Yeah. Yeah. And it just hasn't been great. And since then, we haven't had anything. Uh, we've had Constantine eccentric stories, you know, one-offs. Uh, we've had him as guests, as a guest star of sorts and various storylines. But here we're getting a Constantine-centric all-out war tie-in, which is DC's Vampires, which has been something yes. that has already, I believe there's some lead-up to that currently within a few stories, and we'll get into the details here right now. So Constantine, Deathstroke, Bane, and more declare all-out war on DC's Vampires. John Constantine, Bane, Deathstroke, Booster Gold and more are joining in on the fight against the undead in DC versus Vampires All Out War, and it's exciting. I've already pre-ordered this. Dave. Yeah, the the All Out uh, DC versus Vampire spinoff. There are amazing variants. I've already got the John Constantine eccentric variant, and I will leave some links on our site for these as well. Dave, I'm actually really excited for this because the last time we got this type of a mashup, it was deceased and deceased was fun. Yeah, that was fun. It was a fun series that, you know, especially the, the uh, tie in story that was led by John Constantine. Mm -hmm. um, it was really fun and it was, it was clever and it was a great use of the John Constantine character in a setting that we always don't get to see him in. Mm -hmm. Typically, true Hellblazer fans like the low-key stuff, and I, I'm definitely on that side of things as well, but it doesn't mean we can't have fun in these uh, Elseworlds titles, I guess you can call them, uh, because that's what Tom Taylor does best is those Elseworld titles, and he did an exceptional job with the... Uh, the deceased tie-in with John Constantine. So if this borrows some of those elements, I can definitely get on board with this. It is. It's it, DC versus vampires. is it, actually really interesting uh, series that came out a while ago. And all out war is like their, their sequel to it, that Constantine's going to be the quote unquote leader. And it kind of follows the same, the same uh, tempo as deceased where you have DC vampires come out, big, big reveals happen. And I don't want to give away any spoilers or anything, but you get a big twist in the end. You're talking about who the villain is. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then 
all-out war takes place afterwards where the remnants of the DC heroes and villains have to now fight all the vampires. Yeah. And the one person that leads them is, is uh, Constantine. And the interesting part though, you'd expect Tom Taylor to be headlining this series, but he's not. Maybe he's too busy, but this does seem like the thing that he would be hired to do. He'd be hired to do. But instead all out war is being head by a, a Rosenberg, are you from natal? I am not familiar with the writing team. Yeah. This. The, this writing team was all tied to the original DC vampires. And because it came out and it did well. Yeah. They basically told the team, okay, let's do your guys a sequel. And they all decided, okay, we're all out. War is going to be the continuation of it. And essentially the best thing about DC vampires, no one gave this title a chance. Because they were like going, it's coming off of Deceased, which everyone's like, okay, so it's DC versus zombies, but this one's DC versus vampires. And they didn't give it any chance. But in actuality, when people start picking it up, they're like, no, this is actually pretty damn good. See, that's the best when there's no expectations and you just pick up a comic because it looks like it might be interesting. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, and then when this is pretty good. That's how I was with the, the deceased with the deceased. Yeah, I mean, I was like, yeah, what? Well, well, this will be, I guess, fun. Let's take a look. And I was like, fuck. Well, the, it was ended up being not just fun, but there were moments that were actually really good. The, ge- the genius behind the original Deceased was Tom Taylor followed it up, and he specifically chose certain characters that he could hook onto that would make sense. Oh, yeah, these guys would be mm-hmm. the ones fighting the good fight. And that, that's why he brought in characters like Deathstroke. Deceased Dead Planet. That's what it was Dead called, Planet, right? Yeah, yeah, the one with Constantine. Yeah. And then he brought in John Constantine. <laughs> the best part by far here, essentially Rosenberg basically said, you know, why break the wheel? It, 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 after DC vampires, a lot of the DC characters were killed by the vampires. So he was like going, who would put up the good fight? And then he... <laughs> He essentially just looked at, did what Tom Taylor did, said, hey, the characters that I didn't, I wasn't able to use, like a lot of the villains and a lot of like the quote unquote magic characters, I'm going to bring them in. Now, I'm assuming, Dave, that this is outside of the regular continuity. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's very, it's supposed to be taken like Deceased was. It's an Elseworld title. And... Honestly, I, I just cracked up when I read DC Vampires because afterwards when they made the announcement for All Out War, I'm like going, why is it the fact that when the earth goes to shit, John Constantine has to be the guy that leads the good Because fight. he's a cockroach. He's a cockroach. Okay. He, it's, he, will, he will always be the last person standing. It's like what the, the last comic being used uh, covered, which was Swamp Thing, right? Yeah. Who was the last there person there was Constantine. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like going, in every single comic he's the a last fucking survivor yeah any anything that where the dc world is literally turned to ashes Constantine's the guy that basically is everyone turns to and says come on please fix us yeah help us please <laughs> help us please we don't like you under normal circumstances even even if you think about it, apocalypse war who's the guy they turn hey, to hey, and then yep. apocalypse war yeah exactly <laughs> so this of- is very much on par it's on par yeah So in the July 2022 solicitations for DC Comics, the publisher announced a new six-issue all-out war series spinning off, as you had mentioned, David, the DC vs. Vampires. Uh, The synopsis for the first issue, which launches in July, reads, one of the last 
secret underground human cities is facing total annihilation and its leader, John Constantine, <laughs> must plan a suicide mission, of, oh, course, of course, to assassinate a key lieutenant in the vampire empire against unreal, uh, unreal odds and with an unlikely team, including Booster Gold, Deathstroke, and Mary Marvel. Does the Hellblazer have one more trick up his sleeve? Of course he does. Uh, yeah, of course. Of course he does. I almost want this to continue. Can we get something fun? Just to, uh, listen, I love high art and I love low art. This, I would say, is it falls probably art. into low art. Yeah. There is fun to be had in low art. Mm-hmm. And if this does well and I like the story, I wouldn't mind something like this continuing. I just want some continuance here when it comes to Constantine, some story that we can get every single month. But I am looking forward to this. I am jumping ahead. Of course, as a typical John Constantine fan, I am not happy with what we're getting. <laughs> I mean, listen, I am. We're getting pleased, another Elseworld title. But I always want more. I'm greedy when it comes to John Constantine. Well, the thing I always crack up at is kind of like Constantine is always treated in Elseworld titles the past five years. He is Earth's last defender. Okay. He's constantly I, I never, last defender. I never read the other Taylor Elseworlds that you liked quite a bit. Uh, oh, you mean like the Gotham Knights? No, no, no. The, um, the one that made video games. Like uh, Injustice. Yes, Injustice. There we go. Well, the, even in Injustice, uh, the second season, he's Earth's last hope. Yeah, that's what I was bringing up. Yeah. And, and the best part by far in that one, you know, it's been long enough. This is a spoiler. In the end, John Constantine screws the world for his own games. <laughs> so that's the best part is kind of like, when the world needs a last defender, it turns to John Constantine, not realizing that John Constantine is probably the one guy you should not trust. Oh, shame on you. Okay. <laughs> he steps up when he needs to. He does. I mean, in deceased, he did, but he had to crush a couple eggs to get there. <laughs> Listen, Dave, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. I mean, even, even in deceased, me and you were talking about, it's one of the best parts of Constantine was the fact that. We understood his methods, but the fact that he had so to, he, he had to kill off a couple of his friends. Listen, that final issue where he had the ultimate power ups. I mean, that's <laughs> yes. fucking, so fucking childish. And I love it. And he, and he, and he had to do it because he had to capture dead man. Remember in the, in the rag, in the rag man's, uh, cloak, which essentially tortured de- dead man. Thank you. <laughs> he stabs, uh, he stabs the one woman with the spear of destiny because in order to, for him to get the powerful spirit, she has to die. <laughs> okay. So David DC versus vampires. Number six brought the fourth twist that Dick Grace and Nightwing was secretly the vampires King. That controlling is the, that's the undead. The big twist, yes. Now, prior to the revelation, it was largely suspected that the Joker was behind the attacks <laughs> while he was presumed dead variant cover at a variant cover at four what the fuck? Learn how right. A variant cover for DC's vs. Vampires All Out War shows the clown prince of crime donning vampire fangs. Yes. So in addition to DC vs. Vampires All Out War, the publisher will also put out a DC vs. Vampires Killers one-shot yes. starring Harley Quinn in June. Uh, DC vs. Vampires number seven goes on sale July 5th. So th- this is a specialty storyline that they're definitely going all out with. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it is just like what you said. It's when DC decides to do something outside the box and tries to make it fun. We're not supposed to take this 
you know, serious. Right. And the issue does go on sale July 19th, which is just a few short weeks away. So we can all look forward to that. And listeners, we will be doing a discussion monthly on each issue. Okay, so Batman Urban Legends continues to turn heads. I have finally caught up and read everything but the latest two issues. Yes. And we do have an entire discussion planned on this. Originally, David, what we were going to do was we were going to do one discussion every month based on the new issue. Mm -hmm. But I figured when I realized that it's an anthology series that we just wait for this storyline to come to come to a conclusion. It's a six parter. So once we get to that final issue, we'll do a, an entire discussion on the bulk of the storyline. Uh, it revolves heavily around Zatanna with John Constantine making a guest appearance as early as the first issue, which I didn't realize. So we'll be talking about that. So this new Batman comic has fans thinking though, that Bruce Wayne might be bisexual. <laughs> of course. I mean, is that just fans wanting that? When I say fans, because I can tell you there are plenty of Batman bros who are like, no, bro, Batman don't do dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let's just say Twitter. Let's say Twitter. It seems like they have grabbed onto this and ran away with it like they do with some of these, uh, these alleged shipping moments. An issue number five of Batman... Issue five of Batman the Night. Many fans were delighted by a storyline that seemed to hint that Bruce Wayne, the man, would become. What the fuck is wrong with this? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to delete this. This has nothing to do with urban legends, does it? I don't think so. So because of this, this have now led other people to now go to Batman Urban Legends. There. That there was my go. train of thought. And people are now drawing conclusions that the inclusion of John Constantine and Bruce <laughs> Wayne and Constantine's flirtatious and I put air quotes flirtatious interactions is also hinting that DC may be moving towards a direction that may make Batman bisexual <laughs> Listen, as our listeners know, Dave, I have nothing against bisexuality or I gay. Hope you don't. I mean, come on. I mean, I think it's fucking clear by now. Yes. But there are some characters who are just fucking straight. Yes. Okay. And Bruce Wayne is one of those characters. <laughs> it's never been alluded to that he was gay, even in the stupid, and I, I know I'm going to get some hate from this, the stupid 60s Batman. That dude was was all about the vagina. He was a player. Yeah. He was an absolute gangster player. Yeah. So I don't think this would bode well for DC <laughs> if they tried to go in that direction. Now, if they want to toy with it and a little wink, wink, like Urban Legends has done. Yes. There is a bit of a wink, wink there, but it's more for fun. It's more for fun. It's more for like almost like sarcasm. It's played off as sarcasm. And, and, but I hate to say this fight because this has been DC's MO with their comics for a while now. I mean, they did it with John Kent, John Candy, Kent, John oh, Kent. oh, oh yeah. with, with Jonathan Kent. Yeah. And then they did it 
recently with uh, Tim Drake for Batman. And on top of that, they've also hinted that Dick Grayson is also bisexual. So it's kind of like DC wants to turn all of their heroes bisexual. I don't know why. (laughs) I'm not going to complain. It's called pandering. It's pandering. Listen, David, I... Okay, so as a bisexual demon, David... I mean, do you really want to see all your characters fucking each other? Like, is that, really. is that really the is that really the point no, of comic books? No. I want it naturally to happen. You know, it's kind of like sexuality is a is a natural part of life. Whatever side of the sexuality spectrum you're on, it's a part of life. Yeah, but it doesn't mean every fucking story and comic character must revolve around, around sexuality. That. Exactly, and like. I want it naturally to happen. Do do we joke here and basically say, yes, I want to see Constantine actually fuck Bruce Wayne. When you say It'd naturally, do you mean like a drunk night leads from like one thing leads to another. Bruce Wayne has a few extra shots. <laughs> so wakes up naked next to Constantine. Is that what you mean by natural or? Natu- well, that's John Constantine's natural. Like, right. I mean, he just waits till they're drunk. That's just his default state. <laughs> his default state. <laughs> his default setting. I mean, come on. Every single joke we've seen about Constantine is he waits for the people to get drunk. Oh, and David. And sleeps with them. He's not a rapist. Simmer down there. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's not a rapist. You know, he gets drunk with them so that, you know, hey. He he can say, well, I got drunk too. <laughs> hey, fair is fair. Fair is fair. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to some live action news, Dave. Depends on your perspective. This could be good news or this could be bad news. Warner Brothers slash Discovery or Warner Discovery reportedly, and this is coming from numerous sources. This isn't just some fan gossip. They are reportedly extremely frustrated with J.J. Abrams. They are essentially doing what every studio does when it becomes under, when it goes under new leadership. Mm -hmm. And we all know Warner's needed new leadership because they're indecisive. They have no plan or strategy when it comes to a lot of things, specifically uh, the live action side of things. And now that Discovery has taken leadership here, they want to know what content is going to be coming out because they're slashing content left and right. They're like, yes. nope, this is not going to do. This is not going to do. This isn't going to work. And then we have J.J. Abrams, which is a good get for Warner Brothers. I mean, he's a high-profile name. Everyone knows Bad Robot. So he is a, a get. He's a top-tier talent. So to have him and his studio contracted to put out content is a good thing. But he's not doing anything. They, he has now had this contract, I want to say, since the tail end of his involvement with Star Wars. So it's been well over two years. Yeah. And nothing. There's been zero movement in over a year. And now they have canceled his actual series. He was returning to TV as a showrunner because he believed in this DC project called, is it Dimamond? Have you heard of that? Dimamonde? Dimamonde, yeah. Is that how you say it? Dimamonde? Dimamonde. And it's been canceled at HBO. Mm-hmm. They have decided that it is not worth the investment. There was budgetary issues. I believe the rumor was it was going to be a $200 million series to make for the first season for for 10 episodes. 
Yeah, and they, they just didn't want to get behind that because they didn't believe in it. Or this is the first step to getting rid of J.J. Abrams, which I'm thinking that's what's going to happen. And now they're just like, well, what are we waiting for? We're going to move forward with the things that we know has momentum. I honestly think it's only a matter of time. And I, I could be speaking completely out of my ass and time will tell. But I honestly think it's only a matter of time before we get the announcement that JJ's agreement with Warners has been dissolved. And honestly, I think that's what we're heading towards. Just like we said, discovery isn't playing around. They're man. not playing. They around. They have axed dozens and dozens of films and TV shows. And I understand that bad robot and JJ Abrams might feel like they're untouchable. Like they're a big name. Let's not, let's not get it. Yeah, and they've produced some fantastic produced, television and films. They've produced some fantastic stuff. And yeah, of course, JJ does have a bit of a, uh, 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 a bad record of late. So I'm looking at it as like, just like you said, I mean, think about this, Mike. We've been talking about JJ Abrams working on Justice League Dark for how long now? And they haven't even made any counts casting announcements the closest thing they've had to a cast announcement was that one thing for Constantine where they rumored that it was going to be that British actor who was Middle Eastern and no they had one that was well, a couple months back when Discovery and Warner's first merged and it was Sophie Dirisu Dirisu I, I yeah. want to say that's how you pronounce his name is that the gentleman you were talking about yes oh okay yeah and like Think about that. It's just a rumor for how long? And the JJ Abrams not has even not confirmed. Moved. Not, even confirmed. not even confirmed. Yeah, just a rumor. And it's almost like the only thing that's been officially confirmed is the Zatanna movie. But even then, but there's been no movement. There's been on no it. movement on it. It's zero movement. And there was a Madame Xanadu. Madame was Xanadu a, was one. confirmed, but there's been zero movement. There's just nothing going on. And um, right now, also, I just don't think Discovery Warners, because Discovery's agenda is to fix. This is their words. On day one, they put out a release saying that their agenda is to fix DC. DC, so uh, that it can rival Marvel. To create a an actual strategy mm -hmm. behind their films, rather than just, okay, we're going to do this, then we're going to do this. They weren't going to do this. They wanted a strategy. They're also trying to cut some of the controversy. They don't want to be involved with controversial actors. When I say actors, I mean, it just mean people, individuals as yes. a whole, whether you be on the production side or, you know, behind the camera or in front of the camera. I mean, they have the thing going on right now with Ezra Miller, which is a, a fucking clusterfuck. Dude cannot stay out of trouble. You have the issues with Amber Heard, Amber Heard and Aquaman 2, just to name a few of uh, nearly a dozen other issues that are going on. Then you have J.J. Abrams, who is a very, he's, he's, polarizing. A, he's a polarizing figure currently yeah. when it comes to franchises and fandoms, because what he did with Star Wars didn't go over well with the bulk <laughs> of the fans. And then what, what he, he did, did with, Star, with Trek. Star Trek didn't go over well with the fans. So he's not a, he is a big name, but maybe Discovery Warner, as they're moving forward, trying to rebrand and shape this, this studio. I don't think they want to be involved with JJ. 
I don't think so either. Is like that's why. What do you think? I think by the end of the year, I'm going to give them the benefit of doubt. By the end of the year, we get an announcement that J.J. Abrams is no longer with Warner Brothers. Either J.J. announces something tomorrow and and, you think and get true? it out. I'm not saying he's going to. I'm just saying that I feel like at this point, the only thing J.J. can do to secure his deal, if he even cares, is to light the fucking fire and make an announcement quick so that it looks horrible if Warner Brothers is like, meh. We're going to fucking ask this, even though you announced it yesterday. Well, think about what they did with black Adam. Like there was no movement on black Adam. And then there, this past, I think this month, they suddenly showed the trailer off right away. I'm, I'm excited for black Adam because of all the elements that they can introduce. But I hope that they look at what is happening now and basically seeing that discovery Warner to discovery isn't pulling their punches. Let's talk about Black Adam for a second since you brought it up. I was excited. And they're doing what I knew they were going to do. The Rock isn't going to play a villain. Yeah, I noticed that too. In the I trailer. was like, it would be really cool if The Rock plays a villain. A true baddie that you can sympathize with. And based on the trailer, they're setting him up to be a fucking hero from the beginning. Yes. I mean, if you want to give us a story arc that leads to that path, let's say almost like Loki in Marvel, where he started off as a bad guy. Then as we learn about his character, we realize that he's far more complicated than simply black and white. Yes. And we discover that there are likable traits to this person. And he's probably arguably one of the most interesting characters in the Marvel universe at this point. If they did something like that with Black Adam on the DC side, then I would I would understand, hey, let's introduce him as a villain, which is what he is predominantly in the comic books. Yes. And then they show this arc that turns him into essentially an anti-hero. Yeah. Then I would be okay with that. But the fact that they're they have, you know, Pierce Brosnan's uh Dr. Fate. Dr. Fate posing questions. Will you choose a good path or a dark path? I'm like, what the? Come on. I feel like they're not being true to the actual source material. And I may be completely, I may be speaking completely out of turn here. I'm not a Black Adam expert, but every story I've ever read with Black Adam, he's a bad guy. Yeah. And I think that that gets lost. That's why I was like, I was worried for Black Adam at first because... I get the, some, of the, some of the sound bites that they've been releasing, especially Rock, talking about how Black Adam isn't a hero. He's an anti-hero. And I started liking it. But then the trailer came out. And I was like going, mm-hmm. putting the idea that the, the whole aspect that his son sacrifices himself to save Black Adam changes the character. Because then all of a sudden, I'm like going, well, you're not portraying Black Adam as he is in the comics, which is Black Adam is this hardcore militant leader who only cares about the safety of his nation. Which is when, and when they do that, and they delve into that, is when he becomes the hero hero. within the story. Exactly. Yeah. But basically giving him this premise that he's going to change the world because of his son's sacrifice. Yeah. That's not Black Adam. Now, it's them forcing this to be, and I don't understand why, because now we're, we're going to have three soups 
essentially in the DC universe. I, I know this is allegedly supposed to be separate, but I have a feeling with Discovery's involvement, they're going to want they're going to want movie to connect. They're going to want it to, and I, I have a feeling that's why they sent it to reshoots the moment they took over. Mm-hmm. Because they wanted to probably make some additions to connect this in some way to the bigger story of DC. Well, especially since, you know, they've been there there's been talks about the reboot of Man of Steel. And um, you know, I I honestly think I, I give kudos for Warner Brothers Discovery having the gumption to say, okay, we need a plan of attack. And coming up with this idea and throwing everything at the fan. <laughs> yeah. Just seeing if it'll work. Okay. But you have to address stuff that's already kind of put in place, like JJ Abrams stuff. And that's why I do understand the frustration if this if the report's real and executives in DC uh, Warner Brothers Discovery are frustrated, I understand. Because they got a lot riding on this and JJ just sitting on his thumbs and for the past, what do you think? I mean, me and you have covered the whole idea that JJ is going to be tied to DC for more than two years now. More than two years? For more than two years, and there's been no movement? I don't know about you, but if I was an executive, I'd be like going, yeah, why am I wasting my money uh, to, to help you produce a DC film when you have other projects that I'm supposedly helping you produce that is $200 million budgeted. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> DC once again does is doing some questionable things. I don't think the black Adam trailer, even to me, doesn't even look that interesting. And the reason why is because now Pierce Brosnan looked fucking awesome. And I can't wait to see what he does with Dr. Fate. But did you see that? But he wasn't Rock, even dressed as Dr. Fate. I know. <laughs> Maybe they're saving it for the movie, Maybe which, which you know what? I would probably, I probably hope they do save that for the movie. Leave some things, you know, for when we actually watch it rather than spoiling it in the trailer. But I was hoping that this movie would be the rock attempting to be an actor and mm -hmm. not, and not a brand because I, I, this may be, this is debatable, but I don't even think what the rock does is acting. And the movies he's in, it's him continuing his brand, a persona. This persona of the rock finds its way to every movie. Early on in his career, before he had nothing to lose, I suppose, he did different things. Like when he played the gay hitman in that Get Shorty sequel, like yeah. that was him that acting. That was him acting. So he is able to do something different. But since then, he's always found himself in this comfort zone where it's just a persona. He's not really acting. It's just his brand. And that's the same thing I felt in the Black Adam trailer. It was just more of the same. And I was hoping this would be him returning to what he used to do and try to do something different. And I was hoping this would be his, his guardians. You know, what, Jay, what James Gunn did for, what's the, the wrestler in that movie, his name? Dave Batista. Dave Batista and what he did for John Cena and Suicide Squad, actually showcasing them and showing that they can act under the guidance of a good director. I thought that's what was going to happen with The Rock, that he was, this was going to be the movie where we actually see his acting chops. That's the name that I'm interested to see if DC, uh, if Warner Brothers Discovery replaces J.J. Abrams, 
I would not be surprised if they went to James Gunn and replaced JJ with James Gunn. I think James Gunn, I don't want to jump on the James Gunn bandwagon. But it's worked. But it's too late because I've been on board the James Gunn bandwagon since his uh, his foray into the B-film Sliver. Yes. Which is one of my favorite oh, horror it's, films it's an today. Glorious horror film. The guy can do the dark very well. And if he was given the license for the darker side of DC, I think he would do a fucking good job with it. Absolutely. I think he would. But also, how long does James Gunn want to work within the comic field? Exactly. There may be a point where he wants to go do other things. But, anyways, let's bring it back to some. Matt Ryan points here when it comes to John Constantine. So Matt Ryan reflects on his final outing as John Constantine in House of Mystery and what would bring him back. Man, that'd be great. All right, here we go. I got the audio here. I'm not even going to read it. I'm actually going to just play Let the audio. Let, yeah. yeah. Let's listen to his, his voice. I'm sure there's fans out there that would be very happy with that. blessed really having to have got to play John Constantine um, throughout all these different mediums and uh, and for so long you know it's been years since I've I first started playing this character and I'm still here and I think that is partly down to the fans acceptance of me the, the character is such an iconic role and and the first thing you want to do is try to be true to those original comics which I've fallen in love with you know that can be difficult sometimes in the various different mediums you're working in you know uh, whether it's on network television or you know wh whatever you're working in uh, um, I feel I feel like um, I've I've come to really love John and feel like he's a part of me in a way there's there's a much darker more grittier aspect to the character that I would really love the opportunity to kind of get to flesh out in whatever medium that would be um, that I feel like. It is so sad as a Constantine fan to hear this actor's passion for a character that we have loved for, for decades <laughs> and to hear this man's passion and his understanding and he's not given the continued opportunity to tell a true Hellblazer story. Yes. It's just, it fucking hurts. dude. It hurts because think about it, dude. I mean, the, the John Constantine series that originally came out with him was not bad. No, it was really good. It was really good. It just, for some strange reason, it got bit with bad luck. NBC was NBC. at that time. NBC was canceling <laughs> everything. And then he gets stuck I, I, I use that term loosely because I know we have CW fans out there, but he gets stuck in the CW-verse. But at least he gets to play Constantine. But he gets to play Constantine, right? Yeah. Yep. And then he also, the only time he can play Constantine is in the DC animation, which barely anyone sees unless you're a hardcore DC fan. And he And even up to this point, he still does not get the full, he doesn't get a chance to portray that character in a full leg feature. That's a, that's just tragedy to me because, because Matt Ryan has been the perfect portrayal of John Constantine. People may say, well, listen, he got, you know, his version of Constantine got a second lease on life when he got cast into the Arrowverse. And yes, absolutely. I agree with that, but <laughs> the story isn't always about him. It's you're not going to get, you're not going to get that nuance. The plot doesn't necessarily revolve completely around him. And because of that, we don't get, 
a true in-depth Hellblazer story. Ask story. Exactly. A story that can only be told where it's exclusively about Constantine. And I feel like Matt Ryan deserves that chance. Oh, yeah. He deserves that chance. And I'm hoping that someday he will return in a live action form. Now, as a Constantine fan, I will take the animation. If he can, t- hopefully he'll keep voicing Constantine from the animation side. I will definitely be pleased with that. But I hope this isn't the end for him. I really do. Because, I mean, just his passion alone. If I was an executive at DC, I'm like, what are we doing? Oh, yeah. When you have an executive that doesn't capitalize on this, that shows me that they're not quite sure what's best for an IP. Yes. Because you have to be, and I understand there's other factors that go in, star power, and Matt Ryan doesn't have the household name that's going to bring in all that traffic. You know, he doesn't have that box office draw, but look at Dune. Dune had some, had an ensemble cast, but for the most part, the leads were not household names. They're not household names. But they surrounded those names with bigger names mm-hmm. that helped with that box office performance. And if you were to take a high concept for Hellblazer and make this dark horror pole type film, almost like in the same vein as, say, uh, the recent Doctor Strange, but obviously far darker and more suitable for, for the world of DC. If they were to do something like that with Matt Ryan and surround him with four or five A-list household names, then you combat that. Mm-hmm. And you make Matt Ryan that household name. And if the movie is written and directed properly... You're going to win people over. People want to see. They, people, when it comes down to it, it's very simple. People just want to watch a good story. A good story, yeah. Some of the various uh, different mediums that I've worked in, uh, predominantly the television stuff, I feel like, you know, that we're doing a, a somewhat lightened version of him for, for television. And there's a part of me that really yearns in a way to do the R-rated stuff and really kind of show that I can really do that part of the character as well and uh, the nasty, dirty, you know, con artist kind of guy. Um, but I, I feel just so lucky, man, that I get to put on the trench coat and, and uh, you know, get to play this character, you know? <laughs> I fucking love him, dude. I he's, love just, that, Ryan. he's just so, like, nice and he plays well with the fans. He respects the character. He respects the fans. It would be a shame if he doesn't get another chance. And the fact that he understands the character too. It, I know some people out there complain, oh, his accent isn't perfect. Okay. I mean, it's acting. It's acting. And also the only thing I really care about is, hey, portray the character and understand the character you're portraying. Yeah. It's obviously Matt Ryan understands that character. and Without he, a doubt. He bar none knows how that character should be. And that's what that's what frustrated me. I remember us talking about it a long time ago about that rumor casting that JJ put out there. I'm like going, you have an actor that's already established to be John Constantine. Mm-hmm. Use that actor. Yeah. But for some strange reason, JJ has to go find his own guy. <laughs> and also a controversial pick. 
and a controversial pick too. Dude, there wasn't, there was I went through Twitter on the hashtags to see if anybody co-signed on a black Constantine and even some of the most far left of Twitter accounts were like, <laughs> why, why, <laughs> why? And, and that's the thing is kind of like, that's why I feel- even Michael B. Jordan, when he was interviewed about his Superman, because he's going to be playing the black Superman. Yeah. He's, he's going to be uh, the actual black Superman in the comic books. Uh, Cal or Kevin. Uh, I think it's Kevin. He's like, why would I, why would I play Clark Kent? He's all first. He's white. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense because you understand that Michael B. Jordan knows the type of Superman that he's portraying. Yeah. And he's also very for, business savvy for DC fans out there who want to poo poo on Michael B. Jordan's Superman. Have you not read a comic? <laughs> Do you not know that we have a black Superman who's president of the United States, which is freaking awesome. If you haven't read multiversity, read it. We have a black Superman. It's fantastic. <laughs> Why are you laughing about that, David? Because not a lot, of, not a lot of fans who say that they know. Comics, oh, I know. I say know. they know the characters. And then when I bring up the fact that, Hey, did you know about multiversity? What's that? I'm like, yeah, all right. You're yeah. not a comic book fan. And then my, my elitist side comes out and basically you don't read comics. Don't be an elitist, Dave. <laughs> don't be a comic book elitist. No one likes that. Dave. I have to Mike, because there's so many people that, you know, nowadays with, especially in like when people make complaints and then they say that they're this when they're not. That irritates me. Yeah, well, there's a lot of that. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so the Sandman to premiere in August. We finally got a date. And it will be premiering on Netflix, not HBO Max. Even yes. though DC has claimed that HBO Max is their go-to for all the greatest DC content. <laughs> Obviously, that's not the case for the Sandman. For Sandman. I believe the contract with Netflix has been in effect longer than HBO Max yes. has, has actually been a reality. So that's probably why. But I am sure after the first season, there is some stipulation that will allow the first season probably to find its way on HBO Max. All right. So August, David, and whether or not we're going to cover each episode, I mean, that depends on the listeners. If the listeners feel like they would like to hear our thoughts in every episode, then we might do that but we're not going to do it in a bench setting. We're going to take it weekly. Yes. And that's one reason why I'm kind of not vibing with the idea of doing episodic discussions because after let's say there's 10 episodes. So 10 weeks down the road, the excitement behind watching this is, has far passed. And, uh, you know, think about it. By the time we get to episode 10, 10 weeks has gone by. D do listeners even care at this point? Exactly. So I'm still up in the air about whether or not we'll cover the entire thing episodically, or we may just binge the season and then, then do a, a one hour review breakdown focusing on the Constantine elements mostly well, especially, because that's what we do on this show. Well, especially since there's going to be a lot going on in Sandman and I think that the best and safest way we can do this is if we do exactly that, where it's like, okay, we just binge it and we cover on the elements that fit us because there's so much to cover in Sandman that it will make our heads explode. Yeah. All right, Dave. So we only have a few more minutes left, but the controversy surrounding Sandman is of course has to do with the alleged gender 
bending <laughs> casting of Constantine. That's why I don't like people. <laughs> and now that people have been schooled, the people that have been complaining about it have been schooled and like, hey, listen, Joanna Constantine exists. Yes. Now there's articles reaffirming the gender bending by saying, okay, we understand that Joanna Constantine has been around long before this decision uh, to do this with the character in the Sandman Netflix series. Yes. However, they are still gender bending because they're, they're doing away with the actual John Constantine character who is also in the story. Yes. Now there's all types of reasons that we've heard behind the exclusion of the John Constantine uh, Gaiman had tweeted out that there's licensing issues. Yep. Not a, he's using that as a way to just to, to explain away a very complicated situation. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with a moment in DC history when it comes to live action, where there's just a lot going on. And if you had a Constantine in Sandman, you have a Constantine in JJ's uh, alleged upcoming series you have constantine over on legends of tomorrow yeah. it just gets really muddy really fast and mm -hmm. it, it wouldn't bode well it would end up diluting the constantine character so it just makes sense at a practical level to take the character of joanna constantine who's already in the sandman story mm -hmm. and just use her use her yeah and I was okay with that because Joanna Constantine is a fixture in the Sandman story. The, and you have to also put into the fact that at the same time Con uh, Sandman was announced, JJ was going around saying, no, Constantine is my character. He, he's go I'm going to work on him. That goes back to like what we were saying about like how JJ Abrams was like saying he has this entire plan for Constantine. So it kind of made sense why there might be issues of using the character. And you know what? I just hope that Sandman, I have no, I have, I feel comfortable with Sandman because Gaiman's is in charge. So I know that he's going to focus on getting his story across. I don't think there's anything of wokeness to worry about. Like no. a lot of people are tweeting out. Gaiman's not going to do that. It's just a bizarre thing. And we've talked about this before on numerous other shows as well as this podcast here. But it isn't woke just because you're making practical decisions. I mean, to me, it feels redundant. If you did have in a 10 episode season, you had Joanna Constantine, you had John Constantine in a comic book, it works. But if there's no reason to do it, and also what you, the, one of the first things you learn in screenwriting 101 is to eliminate excess. Yes. And in a TV series, it's a lot different than a comic book. And there's things that just don't work. And it would feel a bit like an excess to have Joanna Constantine in one episode and then a John Constantine in another. another. How do you develop each of these characters in a show that's not about them? Exactly. There you go. It would feel flimsy at best. It feels flimsy at best. And you'd be forgetting that the story isn't about John Constantine called Sandman. It's the story of Morpheus. And that's why I was okay with the announcement of uh, Jenna Coleman as Joanna Constantine, because I'm going, well, the story is not about the Constantines. It's about Morpheus. They have to get Morpheus right. That's yep. it. That's, what, <laughs> that's exactly. So I personally am okay with this decision for numerous reasons, as I had mentioned, but also 
it, it, to me, it just looks like a, a proper writing process. It's it does. you're eliminate eliminating excess things that you don't need. You get rid of it. And as I've said before, Mike, in Gaiman, I trust. Yeah, Gaiman knows what he's doing as well. And I know he's combating some of these trolls online. And honestly, I just wish people would quit <laughs> feeding the trolls. Neil Gaiman is like is like the twentieth creator that I follow on Twitter within the last month. That. Feeds the trolls. Yeah, don't feed them. Ignore them and they will die. Although I... I take I, a lesson from... Neil Gaiman should take a lesson from his own story, American Gods. What happens when you quit believing <laughs> oh God, in right. gods? They die. Quit believing in trolls and yes. hopefully they'll fucking die. That is the greatest thing <laughs> you, ever. Yes. Gaiman should learn from his stories of American Gods. Don't give them Peter. <laughs> oh, yes. Ignore them and they will and they, perish. And they will fade away into existence. Yeah, maybe get swallowed by a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, bring this show to an end. I want to thank everyone for listening. I do want to remind people that we do have a Patreon page. Head over to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge $1. That's it. If you pledge $1, you'll gain access to a secondary mini show that we do pretty much before any of our regular discussions and it's titled the oblivion bar. It's a lot like this show, but far more casual. And we get into topics that we don't always have time to get into during our regular show. So be sure to head over to patreon.com slash digital and pledge $1. That's it. $1. And you help us out and you help yourself out to get more content. All right. Thank you, David. Thank you ancestors of our loved ones what that doesn't make peace i don't know that's a horrible sign off cheers wankers see you never